welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. This is episode 119. I'm Sheldon Grant from Panoramic Outdoors. Of course, I got my partner in crime, Chase Drylix, sitting across from me via the interweb. Before we get started, I'd like to do a couple shout outs right off the bat to Stillwater Out Stillwater Adventures, pardon me, and to Jiffy Ice Augers. Both of them have been supporting us over the the winter season on the ice, doing all the ice fishing. So I want to just say a big thank you to them for supporting our activities and our podcast and making everything come together. If you want to look look them up you can find Stillwater adventures online or downtown verdon they got all your fishing supplies not only for winter fishing but like like ice fishing but for summer fishing as well and for jiffy check them out online too they got all their products online and they got free shipping in uh, us over a hundred dollars and in canada i mean you can find jiffy products everywhere um more than likely someone in your family's probably run a jiffy ice soccer <laughs> in the last 60 years so yeah. you should be able to find those pretty easily chase what's going on over there did the easter bunny show up at your uh, at your place oh lots of chocolate lots of chocolate for the boys bouncing off the walls for the last week here and uh making messes so you know you know the drill just uh following behind them cleaning up and uh chefing up some wicked meals got a little catch and cook chicken wings happening tonight which were deadly What's up with the catch and cook? I seen on the old Instagram. We've uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Well, maybe not spoiler alert. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> We're now ca- carrying it in the uh, Panoramic Outdoor Store. So uh, if you guys are interested in purchasing any, any singular bags, that's a place to do it, and also throw it in with a uh, a t-shirt, sweater, whatever you want. Package it all together, and we got a pretty wicked deal going on right now. If you buy some catch and cook, any product. Any catch and cook product will give you twenty percent off one of our hats. So that's that is a pretty wicked deal. Although we don't have those those really cool folding filleting knives, um, maybe we will get them in the store someday. But the spices, I mean, I I've uh, been using all the catch and cook product now for probably six months now, and the spices are probably my favorite. I mean, I do love a good fish batter, but spices I use for everything. Like that uh, smoked salt, my god! Mm-hmm. Like talk about a little little spice of heaven hey but anyways you're looking kind of trim have you been hitting the gym or what's going on over there you got a haircut you're all trimmed up last time i seen you in thompson you look like half sasquatch haircut does a lot but uh a couple of the videos from that uh, thompson trip had me you know uh giving me the the alternate view on my second chin so i've been hitting the gym pretty hard but (laughs) we'll see when it comes out uh depends on how many chicken wings i eat and how much barbecue eat this summer i guess but uh hopefully it'll pay off Nothing wrong with hitting the gym, man. That's one of those things I've never gotten into is going to the gym. It's just, I think it's boring, but. Yeah, I got a bit of an issue right now, though, because um, I'm not like, I used to go to the gym lots when I was younger, and I took a few years off there, and now I'm getting back into it, and I guess my body's not quite used to it, and uh, it's like, uh, I start going, and I start getting those endorphins, and I just go way too hard sometimes, and I'm just like laid up the next day. Right. So <laughs> I see, I hear what you're saying. I do. So one thing that I have been doing, and I know it's going to sound really silly, but um, I do a lot of driving with work, like driving three, four hours a day sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. checking out different jobs and stuff. So what I've been trying to do, and 
is because I heard her on a podcast is doing these breathing exercises to and like sitting like properly in in my pickup while I'm driving, you know, not sl- like lean back, not leaning over the steering wheel, not leaning on the like, and then trying to like consciously do like do that for periods of time. I don't know if it's going to help me out in the long run, but, um, but I've, yeah, I've been, I listened to this one podcast. They're talking about like when you're with your back and on, and then a bunch of different muscles that you're never used to engaging, uh, especially like when you're doing like long periods of something simple, like sitting, you never think about like just sitting properly and it actually like engages muscles that you don't normally do. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hmm, that might be a good idea just to, you know, maybe prolong that back pain that you might not, might not want. Yeah. prolong the back pain you know what i'm saying yeah not get back pain well i'm no anthropologist but uh i don't think we were really built to sit for long periods of time and i, I think I, I read that in multiple articles so anything you can do to kind of help yeah, help but, yourself out right did you know you're supposed to sit down when you pee yeah to empty your bladder is that weird yeah like, <laughs> i don't get it it's weird anyways Different, that was awkward restricts your bladder or it uh increases your bladder pressure i think i don't know yeah um so today's episode we, were, we actually had somebody back out last minute so chase and i wanted to talk about the thompson trip tristan couldn't jump on he had some other activities planned so and we were actually going to try to get josh on because he did uh come with us to the thompson trip on that ice fishing trip so he might join us later on who knows what he's doing he's probably playing halo at home but huh. um, halo in quotation yeah. marks yeah exactly <laughs> bath and treat night with the old lady which halo um, <laughs> anyways um before we get into that trip there's a couple other things i wanted to bring on to the introduction here was one thing in the news with manitoba news uh, manitoba conservation etc was the moose hunting they are going to a draw system did you happen to have time to read up on that article on, from CBC or wherever it was from? I did, yeah. And I actually read the the news presser that the government released. And, uh, yeah, just pretty much said that they're, they're trying to gather more information. But I think, I think what it comes down to mainly is just the reduction in moose populations across the province that in areas that have, like, pretty easy access to moose country. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And uh, I feel like it's been a long time coming. I know it's it's been kind of talked about for quite a while, but, uh, kind of throws a stick in the plans for a lot of people because, you know, a moose hunt was something that people planned yearly, whether they got a moose or not. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I feel for people that way. And I feel like, uh, um, with it going to a draw for many of these areas that it's, it's going to be tough because, you know, people are putting in for the elk draw but would, would always plan the moose hunting trip, da-da-da-da-da, and now you kind of got to choose one or the other. You're not going to be able to put in for the elk draw and the moose draw. You either got to put your eggs in the elk basket or put your eggs in the moose basket kind of thing. So right. I would personally like to see the, the the draw system accommodate both of those like they do in Alberta and, and other jurisdictions where, you know, you can put mm-hmm. in for the moose draw and put in for the elk draw, and then if you get it, then you are you know what's going on, yeah. right? I've, I've done a lot of thinking about the draw system. I've got a couple of points I want to talk about before we move on from the subject, but about the draw system, like it'd almost be sweet if they had like a pre-draw, um, you know, drew a hundred tags and then you could kind of pick. So like, for instance, like if it was a moose elk draw that they would do the draw, let's say a week before the actual draw. And then you'd like almost have like a hundred lottery winners where you pick your area on what species. 
I always thought that that would be a good idea just because there's, there's some draws in like Southern Manitoba for moose, for instance, I know guys that have put in for like moose rifle for like 10, 12, some years and have never been drawn for it. And, you know, like, um, like a prime example is my uncle there and then he passed away. So, and then he got drawn the year he passed away. So he never got to do that, that, that Mm -hmm. hunt. Right. Mm -hmm. But like if a couple of years prior, you know, maybe they got drawn in this lottery type system, then maybe he could choose to go hunt a moose somewhere in a different draw area or whatever. Right. And then from there they could, they could divvy out their tags and their draw system. I don't know. It was just always something I thought would be kind of different. Um, but anyways, yeah, I'm sure. I think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a expert on the, on the uh, draw system at all. I know there's a few different ways that, that they do it outside of Manitoba. And, uh, I, I don't know all of the the different systems at all and how the point system yeah. works and stuff like that. I know there are certain areas that you can buy points, buy bonus yeah. points and all that. So, um, and I like down I, in the States more, right? Yeah. Than in Canada. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know the, the best way to go about all that, but, um, okay. So here's my next, or sorry, were you done with that thought? Yeah. I interrupt you all the time. Yeah. Okay. So my next question about this moose draw system in the Northern region, it's mostly the Northern region is from what I could tell, right? Like all the basic areas, um, like North of Dauphin kind of idea, right? Like, yeah, that Grand Rapids area, Pond, the Paul, all that area is going to be all drawn now. Right. Yeah. And then area one and two are still going to be open, which would be like North of Gillum. Yeah. Right. Okay. So here's my, my couple questions is that last year they had the conservation tag. So, which basically means that you got a tag team, tag team, a tag with person, right? Mm-hmm. So me and you could put in for a tag for a moose North of whatever, or whatever area we want to hunt in. So from them going to that, to a draw system, how many moose, and I mean, this is a question I think for anybody that's listening, but how many moose are we going to save with that going that way? when we have a whole bunch of X factors in those areas already, like wolves and bears, um, right space hunting, there's a bunch of different stuff that, that can still affect those moose populations. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's just almost seems like a reactive approach instead of finding a proactive approach. Right. And like, would it be beneficial just to close down the entire season for a year and, or two maybe, and like put that in writing, like basically put that in stone, so that everyone has something to look forward to in two years rather than not being able to get drawn for the next seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And it's, I think it's a, man, it's, it's such a tough discussion to have because that, that North Northern area is such a big area and it does provide a lot of opportunities for a lot of people. Um, and it does obviously bring in some, some economic value there as well. But, uh, Geez, I don't even know how I would go about answering that, but I think I think it might it would it would likely take like to see a significant increase. I feel like we'd we'd have to do it for like three or four, maybe five years, shut it down, and then bring it back. I'm not right. well. I'm not an expert by any means, but um, I don't I don't know how big of a difference that that uh, two year shutdown would make because I know some places guys are successful every year. Some like I said before, some places they're not. And, right. uh, I think maybe in the future it might come to that where they shut down certain, certain areas, but I think what, uh, what the draw system is going to do too, is, is really, um, give the government the ability to regulate some of the license hunting that's going on there. And it's, it's easier to measure success rates and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah, but that's on. where, that's where I always question it because 
like and let's be let's be honest here it's like so i don't know like the exact parallels of manitoba but let's say north of the 53rd or north of the 52nd parallel where all these areas are right the majority of the population is our indigenous population that rely on that moose meat right so they're probably like looking at it like okay good like finally right like it's it's a might be a good thing for them now they might have the the populations but then we have no way of like tracking that that um harvest from the from from those communities you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying yeah so like is is it almost like a waste of money for the for the government to be you know putting this or implementing this instead of just shutting it down right for for one or two years and then that way you know like if you could shut it down to everyone then you then you would know like okay we can bounce this back with x amount of years or whatever but like in my mind if you're not doing that i don't know it's it's such a slippery slope and and not only that like i feel bad for some of these communities up there that have you know, 30 or 40, 40 hunters coming and hunting in those areas they've been hunting for a hundred years, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it does get, it's very, very tough to, uh, yeah, it's tough to talk about, to be honest, and tough to try to navigate a, a path on success. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's tough because like, uh, I mean, like you said, uh, the, it, it almost, well, it comes down to like rights and, and, uh, um, like just tradition for a lot of those uh, indigenous communities up there. And it's, it, that's always a very, very difficult thing to navigate too. It's such a tough topic to really figure out. And it's, yeah. I don't know. I hope we're that's taking what, some steps in the right direction before it's too late though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, and like, and don't get me wrong. Like when I sit here and say, Oh, are we wasting money doing this? It's, that's not my, my point coming across. Isn't really that it's just, should we be more aggressive? The- is what you're right about, right yeah. like because i want those moose, you know me i love moose hunting i want those moose to be there mm-hmm. for not only myself when i'm 60 years 60 years older but for my you know nephews and nieces and if i ever have a kid you know what i mean like i want that just as much as anyone else but yeah totally um next topic of discussion is the bird flu have you read anything about that a little bit i haven't read a whole lot about it i've uh read a couple pressers on it but haven't like dove into the the whole science behind it anything like that but it is it seems like it's quite quite aggressive from what i heard and the, yeah. the the major threat is to like to like livestock like poultry livestock right so yeah um i don't think they haven't had any cases that have been like transferred over to human beings yet um so we're pretty safe there just i think the recommendations are just use safe food handling and cooking practices Right. But what are your thoughts on yeah. that? Well, my, I don't really have that many because I haven't really read too much about it. But the one thought that I've had and I've had it for a while is that our our like waterfowl populations have like gone through the roof, especially in I in my in my mind for for Canada geese, snow geese as well. And like we've had other experts on biologists, etc. In the last two or three years doing the podcast, mm-hmm. where they've all they've often said like one of the biggest like downfalls for these big flocks of snow geese and all these breeding grounds is that they actually like eat themselves out of house and home. And if, it, if that's not that they catch some sort of disease and then the nature's way of, you know, doing the up and down ebb and flow population scale kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So it's like almost inevitable, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, <clears throat> maybe this is like a good learning curve that like when we're seeing huge amounts of birds coming through our fly, um, our fly area, our fly zone fly that work. maybe, sorry flyway yeah um maybe we should be doing something as as um conservationists and government groups to 
you know, lower populations. And, and I think, and that's another tough thing to do too, right? Because it's hard to track and it's hard to, uh, um, put bag limits on birds and stuff. And especially when there's less and less bird hunters. So, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. You are right though. Like you get those high populations. That's, that's when the, the disease seems to run like wildfire through them. Right. And that's kind of like my big concern with the deer populations right now too, because like the deer populations are higher than I've ever seen them in my life. And I mean, not to say that I've lived that long, but, um, comparatively and what we've heard like from like back in the fifties when there was like hardly a deer on the, on the land kind of thing, you know? And, and it's like, it's awesome because you get to see lots of deer, but I'm also concerned about disease and stuff like that as well, because, well, look at, look at, look at those, the, when we're coming home on the trip there, you know, we'd see these fields of deer and there'd be like 50, hundred deer all together in these fields. And, you know, especially with these heavy snowfalls like that, you know, those deer are herding up real good because one deer is not going to be out there pounding out his own trail and finding his own food source, right? They're going to get together. They're going to kind of work as a team, hammer out these trails so it's easy traveling. And and that's going to be the tactic for them to survive. But it's it's also kind of putting them all together, living in the same area for a long time and if uh there's some sort of disease in there they're gonna get wiped out right yeah absolutely yeah it's been a you know i i talked to my dad quite a bit about the deer he's got a little acreage there's uh south and Eep one he kind of like is on the line quite a bit like ripping around on a sled and he's kind of retired so he's always bombing around checking things out and the one thing that he was telling me is that like the the deer actually had a fairly good winter until like the last two months here mm-hmm. and he's like now like it's the winters they're like getting through the winter really well and then these last two months has kind of kicked the shit out of them and just like you said like you go by fields and um yeah there's deer all over southwestern manitoba here and, and like you said like anywhere from 20 to 100 deer in a field and they're laying down and they have no care in the world if you're you know 50 yards away from them driving down the road they're not even getting up so clearly they're they're pretty tired they need some they need some nutrients and i don't know it just seems yeah. like it's it's never gonna let up for them well when we were driving home there we we took the uh the old inwood inwood route there through i think what highway is that 67 or 17 something like that and uh from poplar field to toulon we've seen like 15 to 20 dead deer in the ditch just that have been hit by vehicles and right. then uh about halfway there someone actually hit a deer coming towards us <laughs> like well not hit a deer a deer ran into the side of their vehicle like a deer one deer ran out in front they didn't even touch the brakes and another deer hit the side of their vehicle and uh that deer broke both of his back legs and that vehicle took off so we're sitting in the truck and looking at this thing with two busted back legs sitting in the ditch we're like well we know our mission here pretty much so yeah we, we got out and, and did the deed but the man that deer was just skin and bones it was it was pretty wild yeah. to feel c- compared to like i mean i'm used to handling deer in the uh in the fall right when they're kind of bulking up for the winter and they're at their fattest and it was a stark contrast uh, to what i'm used to and it kind of reminded me of like uh when i was doing a lot of work up in churchill there one of the one of the biologists i was working with he he had also done some caribou work and he was telling me that the caribou through the winter months, uh, especially in the hard winters, they, they use up a lot of their like 
stored nutrients in their body. So like the, the calcium in their bones and all that sort of stuff. And sometimes come springtime when things start to melt, their, uh, their bodies suck so much nutrition out of them that their like their bones start to get fragile and their, their scapulas right. sometimes like form holes in them. And he said, sometimes when they get chased by wolves, they just collapse because they just can't, their bodies can't handle no way. running away. So pretty crazy how that works. Yeah, no kidding. And the other thing I was thinking about, and this, this is like kind of diving a little bit deep into the high deer populations and there's probably some sort of study out there, but I'm like, if you take say um, deer pop, like say if you compared a winter with deer populations of 2022 compared to like 1982, right? So we had the pretty close of winters mm -hmm. and the deer populations were close. Like I wonder what the correlation there would be between the deer dying on the highway, getting hit by vehicles because like, Hey, there's way more highways and, and cars out there. I know this is going really deep and I don't, I don't even smoke weed. And um, <laughs> so there's way more deer across getting hit on the highway. So I wonder what the correlation between that and like, pred like not predators, but like coyotes, scavengers and stuff. And then you can take that and like put it towards like those duck eggs, because like one of the biggest things that like Delta has been talking about is how um like coyotes raccoons foxes blah 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 eat all these duck eggs mm -hmm. well they're like getting just fattened up right now it's perfect timing for them to like basically recoup, recoup from the winter eating all this roadkill and then uh go and hunt for duck eggs i don't know just i don't know why i thought that but yeah that's what i do the other the other crazy thing to think about too is when uh i can't remember who i was talking with about this i think it might have been my buddy lewis there and uh you know put in to perspective the deer populations too and, and like how wisconsin has like an astronomical amount of deer which is like i don't know what what you would measure it right now in manitoba in the farmland but i don't think it's as high as what wisconsin generally has right and you know the the numbers are crazy so it's just i i'm i'm interested i would be interested to hear what some uh specialists or like a biologist would would think that our our uh habitat could accommodate but yeah. it's it's just not what we're really used to seeing right so it's kind yeah. of cool well there's a lot of, and there's a lot of things that i always kind of not always think about but i think about stuff like that too is like even in wisconsin yeah they have these huge high populations of deer but i'd almost like to know what their age like their average age of deer is compared to like say manitoba because it seems like in a lot like maybe in wisconsin i have no idea but maybe they have like a lot of three four-year-old deer smart deer leading like leading deer dominant let's mm -hmm. say right compared to here because like i know like even by nepa there's certain fields and deer never get hit on the highway in these fields but they're always in the fields and it's like well why when you can go two to two miles down the road and there's a stretch where deer cross highway all the time and always get hit mm -hmm. so it's like is are they educated and like better because there's an older herd of deer maybe like i don't know this is like way over the top but yeah and then that makes me think about like wisconsin because they've got so many deer but how are the deer surviving because their populations are they're like people like human population is higher they probably have just as many roads and cars and fields and everything else as us so just like well how does that work and i i understand the winter and i understand we get a lot of winter kill and that and that sort of thing but anyways sorry for another day yeah i'm just uh looking up the wisconsin opening day deer hunting stats here opening cool. weekend deer kill because look at this so um their 2021 deer harvest was almost 86,000 deer which is 
14,000 fewer <laughs> compared to 2020, which was almost 100,000 deer on the opening weekend. Open it. <laughs> like how many deer licenses do we even sell? Do we even sell that many? No, we don't. I think we're somewhere around like 20,000 maybe. I can't remember what it is. Right. It's in the book though. I got to look. I'd have to look. If we have like, I would almost say if we have 20,000 um, deer licenses, we probably have probably 60,000 hunters, deer hunters, right? Because you have like youth like that don't need licenses, right? Stuff like that. Rights-based. Mm-hmm stuff of that so here we go here we go 2020 2021 general deer tag 32,405 licenses were sold manitoba right right and that that wisconsin number you said it was like close to 100,000 in whatever year 2020 yeah that's opening day rifle so that's not even counting that's how many season that's how many deer were killed opening day opening weekend of their general season Oh, the general season, right? Yeah, right that's season. insane. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, I don't know if you've had enough talk about uh, Manitoba conservation because there's probably some. Well, I know there's a lot of listeners here that aren't from Manitoba, so maybe we should carry on with the with the podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Chase, have you ever been asked the five burning questions? I have. I suck at them, but uh, I'm I'm I think I'm ready to redeem myself. If you got some, all right. Okay, I got five for you. It's because we don't have a guest, so I think it's just tradition that I should ask these questions. Okay. Okay. So what was your uh, first vehicle? My first vehicle? The first vehicle that I purchased was a Ford F-150. No big deal. But my, yeah, my my parents had uh, provided a vehicle for us when we were in high school, and it was, we had like the hand-me-downs and then like the, the 80s kind of like honda vehicles like we had a honda accord a mercury topaz nice ladies units oh yeah <laughs> what was yours save save some for the rest of us yeah. um what like i don't know like the first one i guess that i to be honest with you the first one i ever bought with my own money was like uh i think it was a 1988 oldsmobile like not a cutlass like a delta yeah like it was a it was a four-door boat and I bought it like, cause the same with same as like your kind of ideas that when I was going through high school, I was supplied a vehicle by my dad. And I think it was basically cause he didn't want to drive me to hockey practice and shit. So when I got out of high school and like got my own job, I went and bought that vehicle. And that's what I drove for about six months until I saved enough money. And then I bought a Jetta. Yeah. So nice. But my coolest vehicle growing up, I had a 68, uh, uh, 68 GMC uh step side four-wheel drive oh, nice. and it was the fucking tits but it got like two miles per gallon i can barely afford to drive it yeah no kidding and that's but back it was then. Fucking deadly. yeah exactly yeah um okay question number two ready for this one yeah if you had an unlimited budget you can go buy yourself a new weapon for hunting what would you go and get yourself oh good question a new weapon oh boy that's a really good question i don't know I, i'm not like I, I don't do enough research into like high class weapons to really know the real benefits to, to owning one. What I would want to purchase would be like a, a good rifle that I could sink to the bottom of a marsh for a couple of days and bring it up and it still works. You know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe some, not something you'd want to do, but no, but, but that's what I mean. That's, that's like the kind of hunting I do. That's how I want to take care of my, not take care of but like i I wouldn't want to buy something and have to worry about oh shit did i just scratch it 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want to go yeah. hunting with this thing. I want to bushwhack with it. Um, there's a lot of nice guns out there. The Christensen, Christensen arms are pretty nice. Um, they're like the carbon fiber firearms. Um, maybe I try one of them out. I don't know. They seem pretty good. Top it off with a, with a nice piece of glass, which you'd have to, right? Yeah. And then uh, I'd probably stick with like either like a 30 cal or something like that. They're a wind mag or something like that. Yeah. What about sure. you? <clears throat> I don't know. Like I was, um, I don't know. I've had this conversation a couple of times with Quentin about uh, rifles, for instance. I've got a, a good rifle. It's nothing too special. And the one thing that he did, which I thought was pretty cool, is that he was looking at maybe changing out his rifle. And we started talking the deer blind one day. And I'm like, why don't you just, like, if you love your rifle so much, you shoot good with it. And then you really have no problem with it. You just need, you just want to upgrade. Then just upgrade your stock and your glass and like, just improve it a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. So I know he went to Boyd stocks in, uh, in the States there online and ordered himself a new stock. And I believe he's getting new glass for this, this, uh, summer, but like, that's almost something maybe I would do with my rifle. But if I was like, gonna like actually buy something new, I'd probably, like I got into crossbow hunting this past fall and I really, really enjoyed it. So I'd maybe buy like a, a better crossbow. Maybe I like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with what I got either. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, maybe a black powder. Yeah, something, something yeah. Nicer. I think I think the like like my bow. I, I really like my bow setup right now, and I shoot pretty good with it. Um, I think the next upgrade would have to be my my general hunting rifle. Right. Um, my buddy Chris just picked up this uh, this winter. He picked up this really sweet Tika rifle. It was like a show model or something like that. I think it was a Tika. Must have been a Tika. Maybe it was a brownie. I can't remember. But uh, beautiful gun. And uh, I, I think, like, it was it was a good weight. And, you know, there's a lot of good firearm manufacturers out there right now. And they, the, the higher-end weapons, I think, are are pretty reliable for the most part. You know? Yeah. You get some of the, yeah, the, that core sure. group of, of firearms producers. So, yeah. Uh, question number three is uh if you could go to any one last concert what would you who would you go and watch mm, good question good question um i don't want to be the guy that says i want to go to turnpike troubadours concert just because they came back <laughs> <laughs> but that'd be pretty good um I'd, I'd like to maybe something where like sierra farrell's playing she's got some pretty cool stuff um I don't know if I would want to go to like a big rock and, you know, like a ACDC concert. Right. I kind of like those smaller venues. Like Dell, the last concert we went to was Dell Barber. He's really good. Um, big, big shout out to Dell too for doing our intro outro. If no yeah. one's ever listened to a podcast, this might be your first one. He does our intro outro music and a uh, big thank you to him. Anyways, yeah. carry on. Awesome job. Yeah, likely something like that. Have know, you ever seen you? that? Have you ever seen that amphitheater or whatever it is like in Colorado and it's like in a canyon? It's like pr- like pretty much all natural. Red Rocks? Is that one? Is it Red Rock? That'd be fucking cool. I don't even care who was playing if you could go to something like so natural like yeah. that. Yeah, I know. That's like, unreal. Or, uh, hey, you know who else would be good? Like uh, Tyler Childers. Or, yeah. I got it. I know. <laughs> Tyler Childers and Del Barber and Sierra Farrell and... Um, What's his name? You just can't pick like the <laughs> ultimate lineup. Like you're not going to like Chase's Country Fest. Yeah, this is a weekend concert. Um, oh, juice, 
geez, what's his name? Uh, Did you say all Jews? <laughs> Juice. This is a slip. Um, I can't remember his name now. Uh, Sergio? From, from Saskatchewan. Sergio's good. Oh, Coulter? Coulter Wall. Yeah. Gotta like his voice. Yeah, it's pretty beautiful. That's for sure. I, I, I'm pretty sure that I would do. Okay, so this is the thing. When we go to, so my buddy's got this this deer hunting cabin, and when you get there late night, and everyone's like basically ready to go to bed, he'll go and throw on like an old DVD of like ACDC, or Molly Crew, or like like he's got Blackhawk, and it's like these eight. It's from like these eighties concerts where they have like it's unbelievable. And you, when you're watching it, having a drink, you're watching it. You almost get memorized about like look at how fucking sweet that concert would be you know what i mean yeah and it just like looks so cool and i always thought like going back to like i mean you go to classic rock and minnedosa and listen to some of these old bands but i don't think it would ever be the same when they were in their prime mm-hmm. you know with the big hair and like all the alcohol and drugs that have been all over the place and the women you know what i mean it would just be a, the atmosphere would be just totally unreal yeah not saying not saying that I, it's all about alcohol drugs and women but that it would was, be a freaking totally different atmosphere. That was the that was the era that things were taken off for that that style of music. Yeah. So that's what that was like the, you know, that was the time to be there. Yeah, exactly. Okay, question number four. Um, you were you. This is a question I think you like to ask people, so I want to ask you, and I think I, I know it. And um, but you uh, were obviously inspired by someone to be an outdoors person. Who who was that person for you? Mm. Another good question. I don't know if I have a real straight answer for that. This might be a bit of a Lockport story again. <laughs> here, here we go. Oh, man. Obviously, like like my dad took us out a lot when we were growing up. And uh, I think I think he was, like, growing up, he was our main inspiration for getting outdoors. And and because uh, he would go on, like, I remember, like, him going on hunting trips and even if he was just going duck hunting with his buddies in the morning and, and I wasn't allowed to come because it was the guy's trip or whatever, right? Yeah. And I was always so pumped to like wait for him to get home or like 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 you explained the first time going with your dad somewhere too, right? It's always like that that big energy. And uh and he really did a lot for us when we got older to um you know he would take us out of school to go deer hunting or, right. you know, we'd, we'd go for uh he'd take us out of school a period early so we could walk the dike for ducks kind of thing and, uh, and stuff like that. So that's, I think that was like my big inspiration. Then, and then as, as we got older, it was just like more and more and more. And there's this hunger that's just like, give me more of this and how can I do it yeah. more? And we just kept on going out and, and doing more of that. But that's, I think that was kind of, yeah, that's definitely how it started. And then uh, if you want to go like celebrity-wise, probably like my favorite dude to watch growing up was like Michael Waddell. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's a good T-bone. Fun, fun guy to watch. Yeah, watch yeah. lots of his DVDs. What about you? Um, I, think the easy, like, I think the easy answer would just be my dad. And I could go on to like some of the stories that I can think about that kind of got me in the outdoors. But to be, but to kind of, overthink this question a little bit is that i i have like certain family and like traditions that i almost felt like i was missed out like i not like i was missed but that i missed out on when it came to like some like some of the fishing trips some of the hunting trips because i was like playing hockey or i was just way too cool you know i would rather go party with my friends 
And like, there's a point in my life when I was like in my very early twenties that I was just like, it finally just like clicked. And like, I have, and I have to give a lot of credit to like some of my cousins, my uncles, and obviously my dad, because those, they always gave me the opportunity to go. And just because like I wasn't going at certain times in my life, didn't mean that they never like shut that door on me. They always just kept that opportunity for me. So there's a lot of people that I could give that credit to. And then there's, um, you know, and I know this is kind of off the rails a bit, but when I did shoot my first moose with my bow that after doing that and like that feeling and everything, they it just fueled a whole different fire. Like it was just mm-hmm. almost like, you know, you watch these guys go on TV and do these things and you always say, Oh man, I wish I could do that. I wish I, you know, had the time and energy and money to do that. And then you could actually do it as this is like almost a whole new feeling when it came to just hunting, like, yeah. not talking about just the outdoors in general, but just hunting. And uh, so that's, I'll credit a lot to that, but like, yeah, for if, to picking one person, it'd probably be my old man. Um, but I have to credit a lot of my family. And then for a celebrity wise, I don't even really know. Like I would, I'd like to say, like, I was really a, a pretty big fan of Jim Shockey. Um, you know, and uh, dad had a whole bunch of different hunting videos with guys. I don't, I can't even remember who they were. And I just remember when I was younger watching those videos and just thinking like, not, not necessarily saying, Oh, I want to be them or want to be just like them. But I just remember it was like, man, they, they, they're doing some pretty cool stuff Mm -hmm. and seeing some cool stuff, you know? Yeah. So I think there's a whole bunch of people, I guess. It's a, it's an interesting realization that, that uh, when, when you like pass through that moment where you're like, this is awesome. Why haven't I been doing this more? What else can I do? That's, that's awesome. Like this, you know what I mean? Like you're talking about your moose hunt and, and uh, that kind of helped happen to me with elk hunting. And that's actually, we actually got that really cool review from Matey Mike, I think was the guy's handle yeah. on, on Podbean or pod or Apple iTunes or whatever that said, uh, the podcast here kind of gave him the, the fire to go out and do some elk hunting and stick his first, uh, elk in manitoba which is super cool yeah which is awesome like by himself first year and uh gets it done right on congrats to you man man if that guy's listening to this podcast episode or if anybody that's listening that knows that guy tell him to reach us on instagram or facebook or something because i'd really like to talk to him and i and i think that that could be an almost a really cool podcast episode right chase like yeah like just to talk about that that whole journey for him so if anybody knows that guy or if that guy's listening contact us on instagram facebook maybe we know him and we just don't know him you know what i mean yeah so um but yeah do that um i guess question number five for you right it's question number five yeah Yeah. it's question let's say it's question number five anyways this is getting pretty long um but like with uh I don't know. We, I, I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but if you're listening to any podcast right now, other than our own, do you have any suggestions of what you've been listening to lately? Mm. Or like uh, recommendations for anyone? Um, I've, I've been trying to find a really good podcast that I like. I listen to quite a few of Rogan's podcasts, but uh, it's some of them's entertainment. Some of them is like, is way over your head. <laughs> well, not a, yeah. Way over my head or just like, I'm not too sure if it's like stuff that I really enjoy listening to, but, uh, I I don't really, man, I don't drive as much as I used to. So I'm I'm not into the whole podcasting as much as I was, but, um, listen to a couple of Tim Ferriss ones. When you were a, when you were a pilot flying, would you download a bunch and listen to them when you got sick of music or is that podcast almost before your flying time? 
it was kind of towards the end there and i would do i'd listen to a lot of meat eater stuff i'd listen to a lot of rogan stuff and uh yeah that was about it really pretty boring yeah (laughs) what about you i've been uh i've got quite a few on my list here but i listen to everything from like comedy to hunting to fishing but the one i will give the big shout out to the weekend warriors over in saskatchewan they're, they're putting together a pretty good podcast i haven't listened to many of their episodes but listened to probably a good handful of them um and yeah they're putting together a pretty good show so if you are a good a big angler or anything i would suggest going over there and checking their stuff out um i haven't i haven't really heard a bad one by them um obviously listen to spit and chicklets i try to listen to missing curfew but i can't stand that uh one o'brien guy but they do you remember that tv show called workaholics yeah i don't know if you ever so there's like those stoners that worked at like a call center and they had a drug dealer over their house anyways they got a podcast called this is important and they literally talk about nothing but it's like if you want to waste 45 minutes to an hour of your time listen to it because you'll have a few laughs um (laughs) but yeah that's about it whiskey ginger is another good one that i that i listen to um that's with that Andrew uh, Sartino or Santino. He's a comedian. So he has guests on. No, and it's about an hour, uh, so it's not too long. Chris DiStefano. Chris DiStefano. No. DiStefano. Chris DiStefano. That's Stefano. a different. He has his own. He has a bunch of different podcasts. Oh, maybe he's Whiskey just a guest, guest on Whiskey Ginger. Oh, yeah. If you Andrew listen Santino, to that. Yeah. yeah. Listen to that podcast episode because that one fucking made me laugh for an hour straight. Yeah. I had a couple. uh my favorite podcast, the, the Rogan ones, is with Joey Diaz because he's just an animal. And Joey I, Diaz, yeah. yeah. I Joey I, Diaz, Theo Vaughn. Yeah, I almost had to pull over the one day because, <laughs> like, I was crying, laughing so hard when I was driving. I was like, I'm gonna hit the ditch or something here for sure. Oh, that's funny, man. Yeah, good time. Yeah, there's lots of good podcasts out there. So, um, but anyways, on to the show. Chase, we're talking about going to Thompson. We headed up to Thompson on a Wednesday afternoon and it didn't start great for you. No, it was, uh, it's so funny, man, because like I had some anxiety going into the trip with my truck because I've been having this issue with it. Like once in a while, the check engine light would come on and some shit would happen and the, it would go into like limp mode and then I right. have to shut it off, turn it back on. And then it would be good for however long, a couple of days, whatever, a week, whatever it was. And then I was just thinking in the back of my mind the entire time coming up to the trip. I was like, oh, I hope this thing doesn't mess up on the way up there. Like, <laughs> what a disaster that would be, right? Yeah. So sure enough, we leave. We meet at Tristan's place, pick up McFadden, head north. And like 10 times between Tristan's place, which is in Lockport, and Stonewall, the truck goes into limp mode. I'm like, oh, we, well, we can't do this all the way up. So do we yeah. turn back and get Tristan's truck or do we try and figure this out? So we're doing some like google searching on on what could be wrong and and uh there was a couple things so we kind of took a stab at at it rolled into the parts store and and stonewall there picked up a new throttle body for the truck two hundred dollars later borrowed a few wrenches from the guy behind the desk i had a kit with me but i didn't have the right size wrench to get in behind the couple of those sneaky bolts and uh swapped her out and didn't have an issue after that nice so it was it was pretty sweet it was it was uh felt good to know that that wasn't going to happen again on the way up a little bit of mechanical roulette and it it paid off yeah it did put us behind schedule a little bit but we still made it to thompson in uh in timely fashion not without rocking the truck on a few of those bumps oh my god uh, whatever highway that is there past ponton 
they're bad man and the, that's the thing is i i had uh, owen lockhart with me so you had josh and tristan i had owen with me we left from brandon we were about an hour and a half ahead of you um and like on the way on highway six especially uh, right by grand rapids and then when you turn up pond and start heading towards thompson there's like those orange markers and i know like at the start i was slowing down for every one of them and Owen, i could kind of just feel him like looking at me like what are you doing man like these they're obviously there's no bumps and then we hit a couple doing like 60 and he's like oh fuck he's like good thing we're slowing down for these and i'm like no shit and the funny thing was is that when we we're packing the truck we had to like grab a tent and so i had like cooler i had my truck was full and we saw to grab a tent and Owen kind of plopped it on top and was, it was kind of like half-assed in the box kind of idea. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, that's not going to work. And he's like, really? He's like, ah, I won't go anywhere. We'll tie it. We'll tie the strap here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, nah, man. I'm like, that's not going to work. I'm like, you remind me of Chase. Cause Chase just like basically like places stuff on top of stuff and <laughs> thinks it won't go anywhere. So then anyways, we rearranged the box truck, got everything tucked away nice. And then, yeah, we hit a few of those bumps and Owen's like, oh, good thing we packed that truck properly. <laughs> Cause like, yeah, they're pretty nasty. Dude. At one point after rocking one of those, we actually turned around to make sure all our gear was in the truck and nothing rolled off into the ditch. <laughs> oh, that's oh cause you look back in the rear view and like everything in the box of the truck is airborne and like walking <laughs> out the window. I'm just like, hopefully it stays in there. That's but, funny. Yeah. But yeah, so we left on a Wednesday, we got into all train bear so we went to all train bear hunts which is they have a, a cabin like it's uh i don't know how you would explain it chase but i'd almost explain it as a fly-in um because of the ice obviously we could get there crossing a lake or two and then gone to this nice uh quiet setting cabin in the woods um get unpacked to go ice fishing what was your initial thoughts i've been there a few times so i could tell you what i think but i'd like to like to know what you thought because uh it's the first time you've been there yeah, so uh, I would call it a remote cabin, right? And so it's remote access. It's not going to be something that you're going to be driving to in a nice summer day. Um, I uh, I was impressed with how how Corey kind of had created an access there for in the wintertime and, like, obviously did a lot of maintenance to keep it that way. <laughs> and right. uh, I, w- I was actually, like, some of those backcountry cabins, too, um, you know, he obviously put a lot of time and stuff to, to maintaining there and, and building, uh, and, and like making sure everything's up to par and he's got like a nice place to sit and everything's pretty solid there. And it's just, it's gorgeous looking out over top of that lake there. Like it's, it's about, I don't know what it is, 30 feet up the bank and you just right. have this gorgeous view looking over top of that lake and it's, it's, uh. I would love to sit on that deck in the summertime and toss back a beer right, right by the fire pit. There would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what, and what about like the lodging? Like, um, we, we stayed in the main cabin, but he had like another side, uh, like a bunkhouse as well. But like, what'd you think of the lodging? Like if you were, uh, a customer going in there to either do a bear hunt or an ice fishing trip, like, would, is that something that you'd be, you think, that you should be getting like is it over the top is it perfect what do you think i i think it was it's likely like it looks a lot better than other lodges that i've seen and i, I spent a lot of time uh in my, in my day traveling around with uh in the chopper business to different remote camps and it's a hell of a lot better than a lot of other remote camps that i've, that I've been in yeah i can tell you that yeah. much and uh it's nice it's upkept and it's 
like I said, lots of us sturdy and, and, and well kept. Um, it's, it's my style of like backcountry camp. Like I, I've been to a few of those, those upscale lodges and, and they're nice and all that, but it's, it's not really, I don't know. It's just not really what I'd, what I'd look for in a, when I'm going yeah. to, to camp. Right. Yeah. And like, I, I will kind of say about his, about this camp that we stayed at, his cabin that we stayed at, is that like, it's almost a perfect mix of like old and new. Yeah. It's like still modern, but it's an old school log cabin build. So it's like, I've been to some of those lodges where you go there and it's like that, it looks like that log cabin should be like almost downtown Winnipeg. Cause it's all modern. Everything's like super nice. But with his, it's like kind of old school still, right? Like he's still rustic. He, yeah the rustic the rustic not not only look but even the feel you know like your your cabin's one room so your kitchen living room dining room and even basically your bedrooms are all in one room yeah it's like that old trapping like the old big trap trapping cabin that they used to have right yeah back in the day so it like brings almost like this whole new energy to to staying there yeah and like when you fire up that gas um gas stove to like fry up some bacon in the morning and you got the wood stove behind kind of cracking it's like super nice like that's the good stuff right there wood man. heat yeah like it's yeah. it's just it's a totally different beast than uh, some of the lodges i've been to like i said that are super modern although they're nice and they're very comfortable this is just as comfortable but still gives you that old school feeling yeah yeah there's definitely more more of more character there right yeah and like the whole camp like as a whole has character like even like right down to his ice that he serves with his with his drinks you know what yeah. i mean like we're sitting around having uh, a couple schnicks after ice fishing up and waiting for supper and uh we're drinking we're drinking drinks with ice from the from the lake right out in front yeah like the guy's harvesting ice right from front like it's unbelievable and it's crystal clear like beautiful ice and he's oh yeah he, we drove right past the spot where he where he pulled the ice out of and i don't know how he did it exactly i'm sure there's some method he uses that that works out well from but like the the blocks that he pulled out are like perfectly square obviously big enough so that you can handle them but he fills up that ice shed and it's it's good for the summer right and yeah. he's, that's that's where he gets his ice supply for the summer which is super cool yeah yeah it's super cool and it, it's it's that same thing it kind of brings you back to the old the olden way it's not like he has an ice maker in the corner and a gen like a janitor running the ice maker like it's pretty legit yeah yeah um so we got so anyways we got to camp now we're going to be doing some fishing um kind of target species for me was i'll tell you if anyone's listening that my target species was walleye and we had trouble finding them um and not only that but like where where do we when do we go april 7th was the day we left yeah and it wasn't like april 7th down here like you're talking two or three feet of snow on the on the ice still in a lot of spots so it was hard getting around so we were we kind of let's say fished a square kilometer and we just basically tried different spots in the square kilometer close to the river. Um, but yeah, the walleye bite was fairly slow, but lots of perch. We caught a lot of good perch and, and quite a few jack too. Nothing really huge. You caught a good one there and I'll just tell you that in a bit. And, uh, and then at night we caught a few burbot. So um, there is whitefish. Oh, and sauger too. We caught quite a few sauger too. Yeah. So, it was funny because like the first day we got there and it was, we had this, these, the first two days were just this unbelievable weather, the best weather that I've had all year, ice fishing. And, uh, we got, and we had good fishing the first day we got there, really good fishing, I thought. 
and yeah. uh, we caught some walleye. We did catch some walleye, and uh, and we're like, well, let's go explore a little bit. You know, yeah, the fish should be over here. They should be over there. And we we spent the next couple of days kind of kind of exploring where we could. But like you said, the the access was kind of tough, and it was it was just getting that that uh, warm enough where that snow just kind of turned to mush. But it was deep enough that you know you could get really stuck and with a vehicle, mm-hmm. and it was took some figuring. But uh, we put in some hard days out there. We caught some fish. We caught some big fish. We caught some. Uh, we caught a lot of fish for a couple of days, and then the last day was kind of kind of wintry out there, but and blowy. Oh man, I blew yeah, blew and snowed so bad, uh, or not so bad, but it was bad enough where like you didn't want to be out ice fishing. Yeah, I, can... I mean, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, granted, we could we could have set up our tents and uh, hunkered down, but like by the third day of fishing and and uh, we wanted to do you know a little bit of cooking and fish frying, and, and we did spend like four or five six hours out there before that storm kind of came yeah so it was almost like a kind of like a blessing in disguise to get up to the lot get up to the cabin like make some food and kick back and just relax and do the whole camp life right yeah you know i was actually surprised with like the the um the amount of species that we caught in the one area there like the diversity that we were able to catch just out of like the the same ice fishing spot Cause it was, yeah. it was like, we catch a pike, we'd catch a walleye, we catch a perch, we catch a sauger. And, and you guys were saying you were catching whitefish out of those same spots there, um, earlier in the winter as well. And as it was, was kind of sweet because we'd have a bunch of tip ups set up too, and uh, for pike and those would be going off. And then you'd, you know, have your, your walleye rod going or your perch rod or whatever it was. And then hot birch bite would come rolling through There'd be perch yeah. flying on the ice and nothing really too small on the perch end either. A couple of little dinks, but like some, some pretty good eater perch for the most yeah, part. Yeah, like right? they're all, like, I don't know if you correct me if I'm wrong, but they're all usually around the 10 inch mark. Like we had a few that were, you know, 12. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like all around the 10 inch mark, which I think is great perch fish. Like yeah. 10 inches, 12 inches is kind of bit getting big, but. Yeah, exactly. Such a gorgeous fish too. Oh, beautiful! And then the uh, that one evening there, we we ended up collecting a bunch of firewood and and uh, having a bonfire on the ice. It was so nice, man. Yeah, it was. It was beautiful. Yeah, that 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 spot, man. It's been uh, well. Corey's had it for a lot of years now. I've spent a few years out there, not only in the wintertime but in the summer, and I have nothing but memories there. It's always good fishing. Like in even the summer, uh, spring, summer. I haven't never fished there in the fall. And even in the wintertime, I've never had a really a bad day there. So I don't know if that means if I caught one fish or 40 fish, I think it's always been a good day mm-hmm. out of that camp. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely got a really like homey feel there. And maybe it was, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of it had to do with the crew guys that we had up there. And uh, a lot of it had to do just with like, with the feel of that camp as well. Cause it does, once you get settled in there, it does kind of feel like home, right? kind of everything is you know here it is make yourself at home and it's it's comfortable too like there was enough space for us there to uh, stretch out and and relax and kind of reflect on the day and uh play some card got a couple crib game a couple games of crib rolling there and yeah it was a good time man it was a very good time and i i want to kind of step into the food category 
and some of the meals that we made. And just because there's one I want to talk about in particular, but, um, you know, having like I was kind of talking about earlier, having a breakfast in the morning and getting that stove ripping again, because it's kind of chilly in the cabin because everyone was too lazy or tired to get up in the middle of the night to throw another log in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you wake up, it's kind of chilly. You finally get that fire going. So the one morning we had like pancakes and bacon and all the, like all your fixings, but the one meal that I, I want to talk about is when we did that fish fry and we did a fish fry for probably, I don't know, I'm going to say 15 people. There's a few other people, guests of Corey's that were there as well. So we did this wicked fish fry for them. We used obviously uh, some catch and cook and um, we did French fries, had this like awesome little like feast of fish and french fries that we caught in the last couple days so there's a cool feeling right there but then remember when when uh josh made that dessert oh yeah the the churros oh my goodness yeah like like that's when he after he made those and i tried it i was just i almost like was gonna tell him to leave his wife for me (laughs) the funny (laughs) thing was we were talking like it was like uh man i don't know um, i have to been like half an hour earlier and uh, we were talking about desserts or something like that. And I was like, oh, man, you know what my favorite dessert is? is like churros. And then like <laughs> half an hour later, he's making them. Yeah, <laughs> I was no. like, there's no way. And he yeah. just whips up some churros. I was like, this is awesome. This is a good time. Yeah, it, was, it was a really good time. And, and not only that, we had a lot of, uh, or not a lot, but our, our group that we had there was, was really good. Like um, I've always talked about going to camps with groups of people that you want there because they're going to help out. Do you know what I mean? So everyone almost had a task every time we were in camp. So if someone was cooking, someone was doing dishes or cleaning up or cleaning fish or whatever. Right. Yeah. So everything went very, very, very smooth. So that's really nice to have. Yeah. Sometimes the best task can be just staying the fuck out of everybody's way for a second. Yeah, <laughs> like there's a couple of times when you guys were in the kitchen there cooking and there's like you, Tristan, Owen and Josh all rolling in the kitchen. I was just like, ah, do I try and get in there and like get my pinky finger into something or do I just stay <laughs> out of here? I think I'll just like just circle, come back and grab a plate of fish to hand out or something at some point. But yeah, for sure. But yeah, that was kind of our trip. Like, I mean, it, it I'm not going to say it wasn't exciting because we had a lot of good, I think there's a lot of good memories there. There's the, like I said, the facility that we stayed at, like the cabin was unbelievable. Um, The fishing was great. I mean, it was, I would say between good and great. It wasn't excellent. I mean, excellent would have been if the first day was like all other day, like all three days. Right. Mm -hmm. That would have been excellent fishing. But like we do that to ourselves. Like we start catching them like, okay, well let's uh, go try over here. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, sure. Yeah. We're, we're but, our own worst enemy there at some points. And we, we were targeting some areas that we thought would be that, I mean, would you think you would find some fish, but it was, uh, it was pretty clear that, um, we were kind of in the A spot there from the beginning <laughs> kind of, yeah. kind of screwed yeah. ourselves. but in that sense, but, uh, I think like there's tons of opportunity to, to go out and explore on that river system and in that lake even, right? Like, such yeah. a huge body of water but it was it's it was awesome to see like just the the class of fishing that you have right out the front door there yeah and like for a group of us to go up there for two or three days to go fishing it's in my mind it's almost one of those 50 50 things do you spend the time exploring or do you spend the time um just hitting kind of the spot and the spot that you know 
to try to get those fish. Yeah. Like if, if, if we were within the hour and we could fish that three or four times a weekend, then yeah, I would definitely be exploring a lot more, but we were there to catch some fish too. So we wanted to, uh, to fill some limits. But. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about that spot though, too. Like, like Corey has a really good opportunity there to, to really market, uh, anybody who wants to come to that, to that lodge, right? Because oh, absolutely. You, right out the front door, you have fantastic fishing and you can take whoever you want out of their families. You could take, uh, new people that want to go fishing that want to try it out, you know, that, that aren't really familiar, but want to get some good fishing in, you know, that's, that's a great opportunity. Or if you, if you're, you know, a hardcore angler and you want to bring some of your own gear up, bring a sled up, bring a side-by-side on tracks, you have like endless opportunities to go explore and find big pike find big walleye find whitefish you know whatever you want so oh yeah for sure yeah i mean it's right on the grass river the grass river is known throughout the province as a world-class fishery and oh yeah you're right there so yeah yeah it's it's it is a beautiful place um the other thing i wanted to talk about was uh kind of on our way out we decided to stop on that bridge take some photos like what did you think of the scenery like the the grass we crossed the grass river a couple times getting into that to that spot plus pissy falls mm-hmm. you've been there a million times probably with or with helicopters but yeah what did you think of everything like that man the one thing that you don't really get to see a lot when you're traveling by air is just like how big everything is down there and, and how much how much like uh uh how much what the topography is really like because it's different when you're looking down on things and you can get kind of low and see some cool stuff but it's nothing like driving down the road and and looking at some of that stuff and driving over the bridges and checking out those the rapids and and all that stuff there's some really cool vista points throughout that entire place and even going down that winter road um you know you come coming over some of those rolling hills like you get some pretty cool views and i, I imagine in the fall time there is just like very very picturesque with yeah. uh with the change in leaves and stuff like that so um pretty awesome man uh yeah it's super cool and like i so, so anyways i just said super cool and it was funny because i was at easter dinner the other day and um my um stepbrother let's say ian was like yeah he's like i've been listening to your uh podcasts they're super cool and i was like oh yeah and then he kept saying super cool and then i was like fuck do i say that a lot and he's like oh man you say it all the time i'm like oh you know to stop saying that but anyways driving down those roads and the winter road especially my mind was like almost like wandering because you'd see at certain like mile markers there'd be you could tell where trucks were pulled over and there'd be like a track in the bush and you know in certain spots they'd be like oh man i wonder what that wonder what that little trail's for and you'd see a bunch of like wood chips and stuff like oh guys are probably cutting trees and then you know go down another one it looks like snow you know what i mean like and just thinking about living in the north again like i like i used to and and having the opportunity to you know go and do those things go snowshoeing go not saying i'm a trapper by any means but the guys that go trapping and yeah guys that go and cut their own wood and like there's just it's so cool just to see that um because you don't see it down here southwestern manitoba you don't see it down here that much right so yeah when we were rolling out of there there was a guy i think he was right along the highway he was bucking up some wood with his buddy and and filling up a trailer oh you mean hulk and iron man yeah they're like carrying like huge freaking logs on their shoulders i'm like holy yeah. shit those guys <laughs> good for but, them yeah no kidding no. i'm while i'm like eating a mr big being like oh man look at those guys yeah 
Yeah. When can I get my next sandwich here <laughs> on the road? <laughs> um, what we didn't really talk about though, too, was uh, the river grizzly that got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of uh, day and it was day one too. Hey. Oh, was it day one or was it day two? I think it was day two. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. But I was trying to be a fucking hot dog, and Chase was like videoing off the side by side, and I was coming up with the sled. And I was trying to like kind of get close to him so he could get good video. And then I was going to carve out kind of idea. And of course, this, the sled started sliding out on me because there wasn't that much snow. And um, and then I hit like a like an old tr- snowmobile track and it bucked me off. So I flipped the sled, broke a windshield and a piece of plastic. So hopefully that's not more than a $500 fix or something like that. But yeah, thankfully, thankfully, that, thankfully that's all that was broken. Cause she, well, she ripped over yeah. pretty quick. But uh um yeah Tension. well and thankfully i was wearing, wearing a helmet and uh, all my protective all my personal protective equipment so yeah it's all good <laughs> yeah and uh yeah well Corey wasn't too uh he was he was kind of on the same same board like are you okay yeah all right well that's all that matters kind of thing yeah so well and his quote to me is that i kind of laughed at and i think it's quite funny is that He's like, hey man. He's like, you're a grant. If you didn't fuck up, doesn't or if you didn't fuck up, it means that we didn't have a good day. <laughs> I was just like, ah, very true, man. Oh man, I was just well, I, I was kind of thinking about the same kind of thing because I was like, usually, usually is like me or Tristan when we're going on a trip, something gets fucked up as well, you know. So I'm like, <laughs> kind of like, well, there yeah. it is. There's yeah. I'm gonna see if I can slide that through the through the old panoramic account and see if Jody catches it or not. She yeah. might. Uh, might question if why we're buying a windshield for a 2019 skidoo or whatever, but yeah, eh, we'll see. Send it to the accountant. Yeah. Um, but a couple other things before we wrap this up, Chase, is like I wanted to talk about um, just like kind of the whole Northern region. I kind of touched on a, some of those things like trapping, cutting wood, doing that stuff. But if anybody that's looking to travel in Northern Manitoba, there's so many opportunities for great lakes all the way up from like basically Grand Rapids North. I mean, like we drove by three or four great lakes that you could stop and fish like footprint. Um, you got like setting Lake, you've got mid Lake, um, Joey Lake there. And like, there's a bunch of rivers and creeks. So if you're ever looking to explore checking, can you hear that dog bar? Is that Reggie? Fucking Reggie, man. He's always interrupting me. But if you're ever looking to explore Northern Manitoba, man, check out highway six, go North, go to the park, go check out Thompson. Thompson's like the hub of the North. They've got everything there. The couple of things that I took away from bringing up new guys to the north, like Josh and Owen, is that they didn't realize that, like, oh, Thompson's got like a Walmart. It's got like freaking McDonald's. It's got like all these, mm-hmm. um, you know, businesses and shops that, and I was like, dude, like, like Thompson is like a, a small city. Like, and I think it might be even classified as a city. Like, it's as yeah. big as Portage city kind of Thompson. idea, right? So, Canadian Tire, looking, they got a few uh, tire. like upscale yeah. hotels there. So, like upscale, like uh, Super Eight. Yeah, Super Eight, <laughs> or the Ti. You're talking about the Ti. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got a Boston <laughs> pizza. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But anyways, like I just wanted to kind of just mention for the end of this podcast is that our northern region is a beautiful spot. I've always wanted to talk. Like I always want to like kind of influence people to get up there because I've lived up there, I've worked up there, and I also go hunt and fish up there all the time, and I freaking love it. And it just need. I think it's like a hidden gem. 
lot of people want to spend a lot of money and go traveling and go and check out things, check out the northern part of our province because it is absolutely beautiful and they've got a lot of cool spots you can stop and check out. Yeah, a lot of great fishing. One thing I need to do and make a point to do is like commit like half a day at least to fish footprint somehow. Because all, all yeah. like all these northern trips, I always like just drive right past it, and I I kind of kick myself for not like in the past. I used to make that run quite a bit when I was in the flying business, heading up to Thompson or the Paw or whatever, right, and drive past it all the time, and most of the time not in a real big rush. So I don't know why I didn't pack a fishing rod and just haul over and cast for half well, a day. But well, and the thing is, like even if we're talking, if we're gonna do this a uh, trip again next winter to go up north. The thing that we do have in our back pocket is that Jiffy Ice Drill because it's kind of very versatile. You know what I mean? Like it's you throw a battery in, in the cab and you can pull that thing out. It's lightweight. You can rip out there, like walk out there. I've seen I've watched guys walk out there 30 times driving by there. I've seen guys mm-hmm. just basically walk out there, set up a tent. So I mean, if you wanted to spend an hour and take that Jiffy Ice Drill out there, some rods, and just plunk a few holes and and you could be fishing in 10 seconds. Oh man, that's one thing that's so much easier with that with the uh with the battery that the battery system that Jiffy has there. It works out so well. We pounded probably a million holes with that thing on the weekend. That weekend. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Okay, not a million, but you know what I mean. We pounded a lot of holes. Like a million inches. Yeah. We did a lot. And uh that's that is true, man. That's the one thing that just not having to deal with a gas auger and like setting it up and fueling it up and then smelling like fuel after, you know what I mean? It's made a big difference in, in some of the decisions that we make when we're hitting the ice. Well, yeah. And just like thinking about that footprint idea, it's just the the, the weight that you save with that electric drill and the, and the flight system Yeah, is like, it's not like you're, it's like, like in my mind, I just almost like you could carry that in one arm and your and a whole bunch of other stuff in your other and you can walk out there compared to walking out there with a big long gas drill with a metal fight and the extension they they, they can get pretty heavy you know what i mean so. totally and when i think about like my old gas drill too i'm just thinking that like 90 percent of my body weight has to be on the drill and right. the other 10 percent has to be anchored to the ice so make sure i don't spin but those <laughs> those uh the rogue there it uh man it cuts so quick and easy through that ice it's it's pretty incredible yeah. If anybody's looking to uh, check out some of the drilling, like we've got some stuff on our Instagram. We're going to be posting a little bit more here as the, this, this month kind of rolls out, but uh, yeah, we're, we're going to might, might have some videos. I think we have some videos, pictures and stuff of the Jiffy ice hockey. So check out our Instagram and Facebook to look at those things, but I think we should wrap this up, Chase. Um, we had a pretty good talk. The only other thing I guess we need to do is pay one more bill and uh, tell me about iHunter. Yeah. Well, we actually used iHunter quite a bit while we were out at the uh, All-Terrain Bear Hunts camp there too because we were doing a lot of scouting for potential fishing spots. You know, we are kind of looking at looking at the lay of the land there and trying to figure out where the current breaks were and where where the uh, the low spots were, where the you can see into the water a little bit in some areas too so you can see some like um, low rises, some, some humps in the water and kind of determine where that break is going to be. Um, so we use it quite a bit out there and there's like zero cell service besides when you're in the cabin by the booster there. So, um, as long as you got it loaded up there properly, you know, you can use that app in all remote locations, which is pretty cool. And, uh, like we said on the last podcast, I think it was, you know, we, we, I got you to send me the, the pin to the cabin before we even went out there just cause, I had no idea where we were going. I thought we were going north of Thompson to begin with. And you're <laughs> like, dude, 
we're we're getting a little like tussy there about like how things are going to go down. And I was like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And then he sent me the pin. I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about now. <laughs> so um, clear up any any uh, issues with uh, with you know not knowing nothing on the on the whole location side of things. But the other thing I'm looking forward to using it for too here is, you know, spring uh, has sprung here. I was trying to anyways in Manitoba and I want to go kind of searching for a little bear in the woods and toss out some trail cams for elk, I think, this fall. And uh, I'm going to be traveling back to some of those elk spots that we got into some good encounters with to toss up a camera or two. So nice. the old eye hunter will be firing away in the pocket there. Looking forward to that, getting back to some of those spots. And if there's some of you out here out there that don't use iHunter, you're crazy. Download it right now. And if you want to get some money back from the public land subscription, head over to the web.ihunterapp.com website and use a promo code Panoramic30. Get yourself 30% off of your first subscription to the uh to the public land subscription there. And then while you're there, buy some uh, landowner maps as well for wherever you're deer hunting, bird hunting, or uh, want to do some scouting. Before we take off, a couple more little quick announcements. Um, in our web store, panoramicoutdoors.com, we've got new camo fullback hats. They're not, are they flex, flex fit? fit? Flex fit. They're flex fit hats. Yeah. So they're a full flex fit camo hat. So it'd be perfect for your bear hunt or turkey hunt this spring. We've got limited stock, so and I believe there are small mediums and medium larges. Yep. So we don't have the ones for chase nice heads, like the extra large large. So we can't model them and show show them off. So stock issues, um, thanks COVID. Yeah, exactly. So check those out. We also have our our um, signature buffs back in stock. The moose with the moose head logo on them. They're green and black. They're basically perfect for the woods. Um, and we got, of course, Catch and Cook now with all three flavors of the batter and then all three spices in stock, fully stocked. So if you want to get one of those, and we sell them per bag as well, so you don't have to buy a three-pack. Um, it's, it's great stuff, so check that out. Um, and the other thing I'd like to just give a huge shout-out and thank you is to All Train Bear Hunts, Corey Grant in the northern region uh he runs his outfit out of thompson if you're ever looking to get into some sort of um, hunting as in like moose bear wolf he's the guy to, to contact he's been on many videos youtube videos he's been on canada in the rough he's got a very very cool uh experience basically waiting for anybody to want to try and check it out and enjoy it and not only that, but he's doing some more fishing packages in the summer and in the in the wintertime. So please check out his website. It's alltrainbearhunts.com. Uh, Look him up on Google. He's also got Facebook and Instagram. Um, unbelievable. It's a, It was a pleasure to go there. It was a pleasure to, to shoot content there, stay at his facility. Um, and it was nothing. It, it was so easy because he made it easy. And everything was clean. Everything was comfortable. Everything was warm, dry. We had no, like, there's no complaint of staying there. There's no complaint of fishing. There's no, there's really no complaint. So if you're looking to get into something cool, check that out. That's all trained bear hunts on the old interweb. Yeah. Don't let the name fool you. He's got really some next level experiences all the way around there. Not just on bears. 
Yeah, and the thing is, we're going to be get them, getting them on the podcast here in the near future, and we want to talk about moose hunts. But to kind of give you a teaser about his moose hunts is that, and I'm going to ask him this question, but I'm pretty sure I heard him say over the weekend that a lot of the moose taken in his areas are, when they get mounted, they're using like Yukon mounts, like yeah. extra large moose mounts or whatever they're called. So they're not shooting these like small little uh, southern mantle moose. These are big big daddy moose up there so yeah and he uh he quite often pulls the uh provincial record for um uh what do you call it non-resident right size non-resident yeah, yeah. scored moose so here you go but yeah look look for look for that podcast episode because we're going to be asking a whole bunch of questions when it comes to moose hunting scoring big moose up in the northern part of manitoba and all that stuff so look for that in the future thanks chase for jumping on here um it's been uh, it was a great trip. Really enjoyed hang, get, getting to hang out with you and Josh and Owen and Tristan. Uh, it's nice to kind of just let her hair down and shoot some content and do some fishing. Um, it's been a while food. since since we did something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be like the kickoff to the year. I hope. Yeah, yeah. It was a good wrap up to the ice fishing season, and it's a good entrance into 2022 for us. I feel like, especially after this winter. That's correct. That is right. All, All right. right. Well. Until next time. Adios. Ba, 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 ba.